Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 7, Signs of the End of the Age. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, this week we have an expanded title to identify just what subject matter we are examining in our Bibles and this series. This will be done when I believe a subtitle is needed for clarity. Another quick item to note, I now have the data drive in my recording and editing computer replaced. All required software is reinstalled and reconfigured. Please bear with me as I now dial it into spec. Enjoy our new episode and this summer series. Last week was our episode in this larger series titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 6, on July 10th. We noticed Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8 in context. I then pointed to the commonality found in Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8, which reads, He will swallow up death permanently. We also noted how in the Old Testament that verse is phrased prophetically as a future event. Yet, some 736 years later in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 50, verse 54, we read the same thing as a completed work. That verse reads, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Folks, that is past tense as if this work has already happened. These two verses are connected by cross-referencing, which means they are the same subject matter. That is how we examine our Bibles in this study style, so we stay on track with what our Bible is telling us on a larger scale. We also took a look at the word, quote, sting, end quote, in 1 Corinthians, because it does not mean to us, in today's world, what it meant to the author in his day. We found how we today associate the word sting with an insect bite, like a bee sting. However, the word sting in this usage means no such thing. In this usage, sting bears the same meaning as goad. The word goad means to prick, denotes a sting, metaphorically, of sin as the sting of death. Reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 56, from Vine's Expository Dictionary. We also noticed Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which reads, For the payoff of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, meaning the wages of sin, its just desert, is death, endless. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Rapture, 
A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 6. For more, listen to The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Parts 1 through 6. This week, as my subtitle says, we will examine signs of the end of the age. Are there really signs of the end of the age? Can these signs really be found in the Bible? Anywhere in the Bible? Let us see if there are such signs and what they may mean for us in these modern days. It may help us better understand if we are in fact in what the Bible calls the last days. In order to do this, we will look at three authors writing on the subject of study, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John, the author of the fourth gospel, took an entirely different means of expression. He primarily expressed God's love. So, John has no associated comments on this subject. Also, we will look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke in that order because that is the order in which they are in our Bibles. Starting in Matthew, we read, As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered them, Watch out that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise up in arms against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. From Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 8. Now from the book of Mark. So while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to take place? Jesus began to say to them, Watch out that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise up in arms against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. From Mark chapter 13, verses 3 through 8. Sounds a lot like Matthew. Now we read in the book of Luke. Now while some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and offerings, Jesus said, As for these things that you are gazing at, the days will come when not one stone will be left on another. All will be torn down. So they asked him, Teacher, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that these things are about to take place? He said, 
watch out that you are not misled. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. And when you hear of wars and rebellions, do not be afraid. For these things must happen first, but the end will not come at once. From Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 9. It would seem that most of the differences that are frequently found in these books are not really there in this passage, especially where they all end in the last sentence. Remember, each passage is written by a different author for presentation to a different group of people. That is why there are some differences in these passages we just read. So, the fact that there is such a tight similarity of all three tells us that what is being said is extremely important no matter who the audience is, whether in their day or ours. One thing we may also note is how all three authors allude to the fact that the time is near, but not yet. Let us dig in more to see what we are being told. First, we will examine Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5, which read, Jesus answered them, Watch out that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. He first gives them a caution to beware of deception. They were to be constantly on their guard, as many would arise to deceive the people. Many shall come in my name, not in the name or by the authority of Jesus, but in the name of the Messiah or claiming to be the Messiah. I am Christ. I am the Messiah. The Messiah was expected at that time. Many would lay claims to being the Messiah, and, as he was universally expected, many would easily be led to believe in them. There is abundant evidence that this was fully accomplished. Josephus informs us that there were many who pretended to divine inspiration, deceived the people, leading out members of them into the desert. Quote, the land, end quote, says he, quote, was overrun with magicians, seducers, and impostors who drew the people after them in multitudes, into solitudes and deserts, to see the signs and miracles which they promised to show by the power of God. End quote. Among these are mentioned particularly Dosathesis, the Samaritan, who affirmed that he was Christ, Simon Magus, who said he appeared among the Jews as the Son of God, and Thutis, who persuaded many to go with him to the river of Jordan to see the waters divided. The names of 24 false messiahs are recorded as having appeared between the time of the emperor Adrian and the year 1682. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Yes, 1682! Barnes did not state whether this date is B.C. or A.D. However, 
Whenever that designation is left off, A.D. is automatically assumed. After all, no one says today the year as 2022 A.D. because it is automatically assumed by everyone I know. 1682 being A.D. is not that long ago with respect to the total timeline that is involved here. Why could that be so important? It is only 340 years ago that we, between now and this date in our commentary passage. Still, since 1682, we have seen many false teachers, false prophets, and the occasional one claiming to be God. Even those who have said they know the exact day and time Jesus is returning for his church. Yet, these days and times came and went without much fanfare in this regard, thus proving the person who made such a statement was wrong, thus proving Scripture to be correct that no man knows the day or hour of Christ's return. Obviously, Jesus has yet to come for his church. Yet, it does seem we can know that the time of his arrival is closer now than any other time in history. How can we know that and be very certain of it also? Let us dig deeper. Mark chapter 13 verses 5 through 6 reads, Jesus began to say to them, Watch out that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will mislead many almost identically said. So, if the same, is Mark telling us anything that Matthew did not? The Lord began to say something to them. What he says is a beginning of his teaching and not a completed whole. It is teaching that they have to work out in their lives and in which he continues to teach them more and more. The introductory words of his teaching are a warning. They indicate that his concern is not to satisfy their curiosity, but that he wants to apply his words to their hearts and consciences. All his directions and warnings are given in this gospel for their service. He first of all points out that the time when these things will happen will be a time of great misleading. Many will pretend to be the Messiah. Each of those false messiahs will say it is him, and many will be caught up in it. These false messiahs will owe their success to the unbelief of the masses who prefer to believe the lie rather than acknowledge the truth and repent. It is also a tremendously misleading time today when people have renounced the Christian faith because it has been taken away from them by religious leaders. A gap has opened in which the demons are eager to fill it with their deceptive teachings. From King Comments, Commentary on the Whole Bible we have four statements well worth looking at further. First, 
what he says is a beginning of his teaching and not a completed whole. Quote, unquote. That may well explain why this passage seems to jump around a bit. That makes it very difficult to understand just what any of the three authors is telling us. The fact that these three Gospels speak of only the beginning of his teaching and not the completed whole suddenly makes sense to our modern minds, which are painfully confused by what this passage and the full chapter says to us. Notice further that the introductory words of his teaching are a warning. Straight away, we are being warned of being misled by those we may well believe are ministers of the gospel, when in fact, they are not. This is explained further because they indicate that his concern is not to satisfy their curiosity, but that he wants to apply his words to their hearts and consciences. This concern is not found in those who would mislead others. They may appear to have this concern, but only for growing the number of people who will follow them. That right there is their bottom line because bigger numbers mean a bigger wallet to those who teach falsehoods. They put on a false caring heart and concern for people only to grow their followers and wallets. Growing their followers is their only reasoning for, at the very least, a perceived concern they appear to demonstrate. The real truth is that they only care for themselves and the profit that comes their way by their abusive means. Remember, abuse does not need to be physical. There are well-crafted forms of abuse that do not seem at all like abuse to the victims. Deceptively, their victims are led down a pleasing garden path to death and hell forever. Further, referring to Jesus, he first of all points out that the time when these things will happen will be a time of great misleading. That statement further confirms what I just said. Are we not in a growing time of great misleading now? Clearly, this is one of the end times signs of how close we are if, in fact, we can see this happening around the globe. Remember, such things need to be global and not local. Local events should cause us to sit up and take notice of what may come. However, end-time prophecy concerns global events. Notice how Scripture reads, Wars and Rumors of Wars. Not just one war, but many wars are implied here along with many rumors of wars. This is because of the plural usage meaning more than one. Now, notice that the false messiahs will owe their success to the unbelief of the masses who prefer to believe the lie rather than acknowledge the truth and repent. There we have it in plain text. These false messiahs will owe their success 
and many already do owe their success to the unbelief of the numbers found in their religious collective being told what they want to hear. Becoming saved in Christ and repenting of your sin is how we can avoid not only the false messiahs, teachers, and prophets by knowing the real truth, but also being saved from eternal death into eternal life. Now, we will read Luke and examine what is here to see if we can still find anything more to help us fully understand what is being said to us. Luke chapter 21 verse 8 reads, He said, Watch out that you are not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. Again, notice how similar to Matthew and Mark, Luke reads. So, what else could we possibly find to help us better understand this subject? Let us see. Observe here. Christ does not gratify his disciples' curiosity, but acquaints them with their present duty, namely to watch against deceivers and seducers, who should have the impudence to affirm themselves to be Christ's, saying, I am Christ, some Christ's personal, or the Messiah, other Christ's doctrinal, affirming their erroneous opinions to be Christ's mind and doctrine. Take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. From Expository Notes and Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. As it was then, it is unchanged now that Christ does not gratify his disciples' curiosity, but acquaints them with their present duty, namely, to watch against deceivers and seducers. Folks, this is no different for us today if we are Christ's, meaning, we are saved by his blood and rescued by our salvation in him from eternal death, but saved unto eternal life. Notice, we are to take heed by not being deceived, for many shall come. Remember, for many shall come in Christ's name, saying, I am Christ. Today we have not seen anything this blatant, yet there are many deceiving people around the world. So, yes, there are deceiving spirits out there doing harm. As bad as this already is, we will see it get much worse and more blatant with the passing of time. Now, notice, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen, but the end is still to come. Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. When you hear of wars, and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. Mark chapter 13, verse 7. And when you hear of wars and rebellions, do not be afraid, for these things must happen first, but the end will not come at once. Luke chapter 21, verse 9. 
Notice again how all three verses say the same thing, almost word for word. Luke, again, speaks a bit differently than Matthew and Mark, but nonetheless, and without having to look for it, Luke does say the same thing. Observe further the signs which our Savior gives of Jerusalem's approaching destruction, namely, the many broils and commotions, the civil disorders and dissensions that should be found among the Jews immediately before, you shall hear of wars and commotions, and see fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Josephus declares that there appeared in the air chariots and horsemen skirmishing, and that a blazing star in fashion of a sword hung over the city for a year together. Hence learn that war, pestilence, and famine are judgments and calamities inflicted by God upon a sinful people for their contempt of Christ and gospel grace. You shall hear of war, famine, and pestilence. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Notice the ills described in this commentary passage by William Burkett are only directed as judgments upon, quote, sinful people, unquote, for their contempt of Christ and gospel grace. War and famine are quite clear, but what is meant by pestilence? That word can mean many things. After all, isn't our current situation with coronavirus or COVID-19 at the very least a pestilence? Apart from the danger of misleading, there is also danger by circumstances. There will be wars. A war is an eruption of violence between population groups in which violence and death make life unbearable. A war is often of a long-term nature with long-term consequences. The rumors of wars are enough to frighten people. The Lord says that they should not be frightened of it because it is part of the end time, but it does not mean the end. Wars are also common today and frighten people, but Christians do not need to be. Apart from misleading people and wars, there will also be natural disasters and smaller hotbeds of conflict between people. All these causes of discontent and misery are the announcement of even worse things. In most of the world, there is famine, and the shortage of food is getting worse. These are all direct consequences of sin, and it's only the beginning of the birth pangs. From King Comments, Commentary on the Whole Bible. Notice what King Comments' commentary said. Apart from misleading people and wars, there will also be natural disasters and small hotbeds of conflict between people. All these causes of discontent and misery are the announcement of even worse things. This commentator further stated, It's only the beginning of birth pangs. I think 
given what we see in the world around us, regardless of where you live, what we are seeing is the beginning of birth pangs. Could coronavirus or COVID-19 be one large such birth pang? Next week, we have found it. Will this be the scripture that tells us what day and hour Jesus comes for his church? If so, how can we know that? Again, does our Bible really tell us in a way that we can decisively say, yes, we truly now know the day and hour? Join us next week for our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 8, The Arrival of the Son of Man. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes, without a citation, are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address unchurched.site123.me Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.